0: The Car Dealer Podcast is sponsored by SalesLink from Jato, a market insight tool that's purpose built for franchise car dealers. Get analysis on thousands of new vehicle transactions every month from all the major brands. See model mix and trim data for the brands you sell, as well as competitor data, all in the free web-based platform. It lets you track vehicle option uptake, colour preferences, and gives detailed data on pricing and discounts. Sign up for your free SalesLink account today. Visit jato.com slash saleslink to start unlocking your market insights.
1: Welcome back to the Car Dealer podcast. If you haven't listened before, we pick our favorite stories of the week and ask an industry guest to choose which were the best. I'm John Ray and joining me is founder of Car Dealer and also apparently now founder of a car dealer, James Baggett. James, how are you?
0: I'm very good, John. Thank you very much. Thank you for letting the cat out of the bag right at the start of the podcast. Very, very, very pleasing and very kind of you. Well, uh,
1: I mean, the thing is, if if our listeners um, had been on our website at seven o'clock last night, which I'm sure they often are, uh, they'd know already. So, or indeed this morning. So of matters. course
0: of course um i was going to say that for one of my stories but we can talk about it now, no I'll no think. we'll say we'll save it we'll save it I'll but save. Just, okay.
1: how how has your week been obviously we're coming well, out of the used car awards aren't we
0: yeah it was an amazing night wasn't it i'm i've used car awards was monday evening 630 odd members of the motor trade there enjoying the uh enjoying the the brewery and mike brewers shouting uh, for most of the evening yeah it was nice to see lots of happy faces wasn't it i really really enjoyed it as ever uh, but it was incredibly tiring and it's taken me all week to catch up <laughs> That's i don't know about you
1: yeah and uh, neither of us even had some of the mysterious looking green mo- was it motors related cocktails yes was, yeah. green motors cocktails uh, which were quite potent, I believe.
0: I think so because there was quite a few people who weren't particularly very—I mean, let's say—very well at the end of the night. <laughs> and, and
1: as a result of perhaps consuming too many, I should yes. point out, not uh, <laughs> no no issue to do with the uh, cocktails themselves. But yes, yes, quite an evening, and I—I I always find that You probably feel the same after 11 years of doing it. It's funny how. Um, the vibe in the room can be completely different just every year, can't it? You know, like last year I remember it was particularly rowdy. Yes. For some reason. Uh this year it wasn't quite so rowdy, but everyone was very pleased and sort of grateful to get an award. And it was all it was all very nice, wasn't it? It was a nice yeah, yeah.
0: there was definitely a lot of happy faces. And um, I think I mean my highlight of the evening really was Umesh Samani getting the lifetime achievement award. The mm. um from Umesh runs specialist cars in Stoke. Used car dealership, he's run, been running for 30 years. But importantly, he founded the IMDA, the Independent Motor Dealers Association. And it was for that work and the, the support he's given the industry over the years that he got that, um, that Lifetime Achievement Award. And um, I love that award because I always sort of position myself somewhere in the room where I can keep an eye on the person because obviously I know that they're getting it. Uh, And uh, as Mike's reading out the um, the the citation, you can just sort of see the realization just in their faces when they finally realize it's them, Um, and just the joy on Umesh's face was was amazing. And he just he he was genuinely speechless, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, that was yeah that was a highlight of my evening as well. I have to say, and I mean it was it was incredibly well deserved. Everyone knows and loves Umesh, don't they? And you could see that when the crowd stood up and applauded. Um, So yes. A nice, nice point to end the used uh, car awards there. Yes,
0: always very, oh. very special. But anyway, should we, should we crack on?
1: Yes, so our guest this week okay. is Phil Johnston from used car dealer Spencer Flint Automotive. Phil, lovely to have you on. Thank you for having me
2: on. Uh, appreciate the invite.
1: Any Good to time, see you. Anytime, so So uh, tell us a little bit, just to get us going, tell us a little bit about your business
2: so uh as as a lot of people did i think uh, i joined the motor trade very early on in life very early 20s having left the military which i left straight from school uh, which i joined straight from school sorry uh started off as a trainee van salesman at uh, citroen in uh, huddersfield uh, perry citroen and as a lot of people did just gradually worked my way up into cars then into prestige um mercedes audi various um Prestige manufacturers, then uh, moved on to the independents. So, um, general sales manager at GC Motors in Harrogate, general manager at Lawton Brook in Naresborough, assistant company to Oracle Finance. Ah, yes. Yes, We've been there, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. so yeah, Peter Brook and uh, et al. Uh, Then I thought to myself, you know, I had a big birthday, start with a four. Uh and I thought uh I've done 20 years now, uh some apprenticeship. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna put all my eggs into one basket and I'm gonna do what every car trader says they're gonna do and never does. Uh and I bought a farm with three and a half acres, and I converted the farm itself into a car dealership. And that's what I do now. So I have 12 to 15 retail cars in stock at any one time. Um Prestige sports cars, really up to fifty thousand a unit, there or thereabouts. I do have the odd, um, the odd halo car, if you like, and if something's really nice, the odd cheaper uh, car. But yeah, that's what I do now. Myself and my partner, um, who I also live with, um, so she, as we were saying before, she looks after everything apart from the buying and selling the motor cars. And I do the buying and selling the motor cars and Touchwood, we're um, we're earning a living and having a bit of work-life
0: balance along the way as well. Amazing! So um, many many questions from my side, as I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you can imagine. I mean, firstly, um, I'm just having a look at the looking at the website, and you've got stuff in in stock like a Range Rover Velar and a Range Rover Sport, Maserati Levante. Where, where do you pick up your stock from mostly?
2: I've been around a long time, James, and and. Uh, the vast majority of them are underwrites for other dealers. you know. So, for, for example, I'm preaching to the converted, but if one of my Audi dealerships has a BMW coming in and parts exchange, he's not going to go on with it again. He'll rig me, ask me what it's worth. We have a level of trust. He knows that if I tell him it's worth a, a figure, I'm going to stand on and going to buy it, subject to it being as described when their deal's done. So a lot of it comes from there. I've also got a lot of repeat business. I've been around Prestige motor cars for probably probably 17, 18 years, maybe 20 years in the in the industry. Um, so uh, even if I can't sell my previous customers a car, I can usually buy it. Um, I don't buy anything from auction, rightly or wrongly. I never have done. It's not something I feel comfortable with. I'd rather be able to touch, feel, see it, get underneath it before such time as, uh, as I commit to buying it. Um, and I, we also have um, a buying website as well. So uh, part of the website is um, sell my car. I don't buy everything, uh, and I'm quite active in in trading as well as retail. Um, so a lot of it, if it doesn't fit my stock profile, rather than just not buying it, uh, I'll buy it at a figure that I think is is sensible, and then I'll just go to market and, and trade it to someone that I know does buy that kind of that kind of thing.
0: Why have you picked the sort of stock that you've got?
2: Simply because it's where I'm comfortable. Um, you know, I've, I've always said I'd rather value a Ferrari than a Fiat. It, it's just what you're used to being around. Um, the volume market is something that I'm so detached from, having not been in it for probably 17 or 18 years. Um, and we all know how quickly the motor trade moves on. You know, it, it, it won't be like it was when I was at Citroën. Uh, and... I know, I know the market. You mentioned Range Rover before, obviously. I'm sure we'll come on to it, but, but Range Rovers are a slight issue selling at the moment. But probably 56% of all the cars I've sold in the last 12 months have been Range Rovers. Uh, and and I know really without looking what something's worth, whether something's sensible, whether it's worth buying or not. Um, so I, I try and be a little bit reactive. You know, I I can't see the the higher end shifting particularly quickly at the moment, hence why I'm trying to bring the overall stock balance down. I'd rather have a few more uh, vehicles in terms of volume and the same amount outlaid. Um, I'd rather have more vehicles of a lesser value than fewer vehicles of a higher value because I think they move quicker, I can turn the money quicker. But that's not always the case. Sometimes the market's quicker at the, at the top. Uh, and I'll relook at that probably in the new year and, and make a decision going forward.
0: And um, some some words of advice, um, if 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 you please. Uh, oh yeah. On, um I, we're obviously starting this new project, which I'm sure I'll talk about very shortly. But you, having having gone through this yourself and started up, what was the most important things I need to think about as as I get going, right at the beginning?
2: For me, it's. Um, it's how you stage your launch, not not in terms of in terms of glasses of champagne and canapes. It's more, you know, obviously you've got your you've got your uh, premises to sort out, you've got your stock to sort out, you've got your marketing to sort out, all that kind of stuff. And for me, it was putting those in a sensible order, i.e., I advertise as an auto trader. You know, Auto Trader do do a good job, uh, and I couldn't run it without it. You know, the vast majority of my inquiries come through Auto Trader, but it's probably one of my highest costs. So if I'm not ready to retail, the cars aren't aren't retail prepared, and my premises aren't ready, and the photo booth's not ready, and, and everything else, then there's no point paying for the uh, for the marketing, for example,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it's just trying to get everything in an order where. Then one day you can go, bang, here we are. Everything goes at one time. Your website's live. Your, um, your auto trader account's live. All the cars are prepared. They're all looking shiny, clean, ready to go. You've got your warranty provider there, ready to go. And you can literally hit the ground running. The, the not issue, but the the challenge I found was getting all those things to align. So you weren't paying out fees when you weren't in a position to actually retail the cars. Right. That that was my um, my takeaway from it, if yeah. you like. And, and that was the biggest challenge for me. I, I haven't doing it again, mm-hmm. and obviously I mentioned that I've I've converted um, a couple of barns and, and that kind of thing. I completely underestimated the amount of work and time involved in in making those customer friendly. Yeah, um, and I probably lost two or three months extra uh, than I was expecting to lose, and obviously two or three months then uh, income.
0: I've um, as I've been planning uh, my new project, that's one of the options I did think about was buying a buying a home that has space to to store the cars. And you've clearly done that. Uh, does it work for you? And, and and why do you like it?
2: It works really well. It works really well. Um, in terms of um, you know, I can still leave the house and go to work, which I think is important. You know, it's it's not a hobby business; it's my business. Mm. So it's not a case of the two are home and work are conjoined; they have to be separate. Um, so I could walk literally fifty yards, and my car is fifty yards from my um, uh, from my front door. But there's a separate entrance for customers. Um, The cars are all displayed as per any other car dealership when you get here. Um, And it it does work really well. I like the fact that it's all mine without being too arrogant about it. You know, uh, I've always run dealerships for other people. I now don't, but, you know, the the dealership's mine. So I, I like the fact that I'm in charge completely of my own destiny. I can pick and choose the stock uh, pick and choose my deals pick and choose who I deal with, which again, is, uh, is important to me. I've got all the FCA accreditations and licenses and that kind of thing. So I can offer finance. I've got the RAC accreditation, um, which is the 82 point check and the, you know, the one of the best warranties in the market, which is a big thing. You know, it's a nice sign to have over your door for from a yeah. customer's point of view. Um, and I, and I like the flexibility it gives me. I can, awesome. I can oh. work not as and when I want. That's that's not, you know, you, you know, you work when you need to work, especially when you're working for for yourself. Yeah. But if, for example, uh, I get a phone call today, sales inquiry today, um, and for example, I've got my brother and sister-in-law coming for lunch on Saturday. I can say no, I'm not doing Saturday. But how about Friday afternoon or Sunday afternoon or whatever else I can work work around home.
0: I, I suppose the other um, advantage to it is is your overheads are sort of absorbed in some way in the fact that you're you're at home. So there is you're, that you're not doubling there, there, up
2: by. There is that doing it the way I've done it. Um, again, slight um, under underestimation if you like on up costs. You know, I'm not a builder, and I don't understand all that kind of thing. But silly things like getting high speed internet to the other side of the farm wasn't cheap. Uh, I've put a really nice LED lighted ring in one of the barns mm-hmm. uh, so when someone comes and collects the car, it looks absolutely fabulous. Um, and again, not cheap. So there's all sorts of things that going ongoing, like I said, the, the monthly overhead advertising. Um, prep you know it's not a fixed overhead but there's always some sort of prep warranties um, that kind of idea obviously I, I paid I paid for the house and with the house came the um, came the opportunity
0: yeah
2: um, there's all sorts of ways and it's not for me to tell you how to do it but there's all sorts of ways if you speak to an accountant how you can charge certain things back and then mm-hmm. charge certain things as as running costs and all that kind of thing. And actually, if you get your head around that and do it properly, it's actually a really efficient of in a business. Mm.
0: Um, Phil, what are you seeing in, in the market at the moment? I mean, used car prices are quite volatile, aren't they, depending on, on where you look. I mean, we're reporting yeah. on one side from CAP saying that they're dropping drastically. You talk to people like Autotrader and and others who, who are advertising the retail prices, and they're saying they're not dropping quite as fast. What are you seeing on the ground?
2: I'm seeing that the, the auto-trader good price, great price, um, that what I've seen in the last couple of months is that they've stayed fairly static and not dropped in line with cap, which would go along with what auto-trader has said to you guys. Um, my cars are, in the main, priced good and great because I think that that green flash does attract, you know, like it or, or not, it does attract inquiries.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it um,
2: does. Cap is frightening on certain vehicles but then again having been around the block a few times this time of year it always is so there is added pressures at the moment you know i mentioned range rovers earlier the whole insurance saga um just on that if i may can i just have mm, 10 course. seconds on that mm. so i've just sold um a fifty thousand pounds um 69 play Rover sport autobiography and it was starting to cause me a little bit of drama, if I'm honest with you, because it had been in stock a little bit longer than I like. And it doesn't matter how long you've been doing the job, you do start to worry a little bit as to why it's not solved. Yeah. Um, and I put it down to the insurance, thing mm-hmm. because that's what everyone's talking about. Now, the lady that bought the car eventually went out on Saturday. Uh, but it... um the lady had a £20,000 Range Rover spot to pass exchange. Her insurance, she was a 40-year-old lady, her insurance went up £280 per year, mm. which isn't a lot. No. not So, so much. my my thoughts on that is that, yes, insurance premiums have gone up across all cars, not just across Range Rovers. And that, yes, in, in, in London, I, I get it, you know, yeah. they've, they've gone up, they've spiralled absolutely crazily. But not to panic reduce cars because actually outside of the big smoke, it's not had that much of an effect Uh, and, and maybe not to panic as much as certain people are because that's pulling the prices of them all down because everyone's panicking on the JLR product at the moment.
0: Yeah. I mean, the other thing I would just um, ask you on the on the JLR stuff is we've talked on the podcast a lot recently about the the parts issues they're having um, with the uh, just just getting them out of these parts factories and into dealers, huge number of them off the roads And I mean, let's face it, they're not the most reliable of cars um, when you compare them to some some German equivalents that that must put off some dealers. Um, Do do you get lots of these bouncing back to you or, or do you get lots of problems or is that just a just a myth?
2: it's not a myth it's not a myth no and, and I've been around them a long time working for myself working for other people um the, the thing with JLR uh, and especially Land Rover product is that most people if they've had one will probably always have one mm. and That's that's you know because they do have their own appeal um have I seen I try and prepare them right you know so hopefully if there is anything inherent i found it before before they go um Try and avoid anything in um but, You know, saying that I've got Valar on the pitch at the moment, but with full history and just being done, but you know, never say never. Um, just because they seem to be the, the biggest issue, certainly for me mm. at the moment. Have I had any comeback recently? Nothing that I've had to buy back. Uh, I had one comeback for an EGR fault uh, a while ago, which. But um, turned into. Uh, I ended up doing the inlet manifold and DGR um, just to be absolutely safe. But you know, sub five hundred pound fix, really five six hundred pound fix. I'm back on the road and not had any feedback since, so that's fine. I can take yeah. one of those every now and then. I've not had anything rejected or or anything like that. Touch wood. Yeah. Um, recently, Don't jinx it. <laughs> no, no, but but they're not the most reliable. But yeah. you know. I don't know what you guys are like, but I, I I flip between all sorts of things as my private car, and I always come back to a Range Rover. Always, it might take me two or three cars, but I always come back. They've <laughs> just got their own kind of own kind of magnetism, I suppose. Um,
0: I, I, I'm far too scared of being stuck on the side of a motorway. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh well, Phil, thanks for the update on your business and um, and the motor trade at the moment. I think we should probably crack on though with our stories, John. Don't you?
1: Okie dokie. Uh, so, let's go straight into it. If you haven't listened before, James and I have chosen our favourite stories from the Car Dealer website this week. Uh, At the end, Phil gets to decide whose stories were the best and who is the winner. If you want to play along, you can x at Car Dealer Mag and let us know if you think we've missed anything. I, surprisingly, won last week, somehow. Um, So, I'm going to start. Speaking of x, I'm going to start with the... News that the Tesla Cybertruck has finally materialised after something like a four-year gestation period. Um, Elon Musk has finally managed to push them out the door. It would appear that way anyway. He's certainly done a launch event. Um, the reason I'm going to talk about it, was well, a couple of reasons I'm going to talk about it. One is it's it's that sort of... Well, everyone loves talking about Tesla, don't they? It's their, our favourite topic of conversation, if it's not JLR. Um, firstly... I think uh, well done to them for actually getting this bizarre thing out the door. Secondly, I don't know if anyone's watched the, uh, anyone listening has watched the presentation, but it is the worst presentation I've ever seen of a product. Was it? I, so oh. I, saw
0: some, I saw some tweets and stuff about this last night, but I didn't actually watch it. What actually happened there, John? We've embedded a bit, of
1: seven minutes, which is enough in our story. It was just, if you imagine, you've watched a few of those Apple presentations, haven't you, James, in no, your time? Many. Uh, so you know what to order five minutes after when they open the store again. Um, It's the complete opposite of that. It was like a man who had been shown the presentation for five minutes and then wandered out and sort of gone, uh, yeah, so um, let's bulletproof. Yeah, that. uh, It was appalling. Oh, dear.
0: Secondly, go go on. on. No, go on.
1: Well, secondly, I was just going to talk about the, the product itself, which I think is... Not going to age very well. I think it's like if you designed a car for YouTubers, that's what you'd come out with. It would be the Cybertruck, and I don't think it's gonna. I don't think it's gonna age gracefully. I don't think it looks great now. I think it looks a little bit like a sort of Elon Musk describes it as looking like the future. I think it sort of looks a bit like a bin lorry from the future. I don't think it's a particularly appealing looking product, and I also think all those lovely bulletproof paintless uh metal uh shiny panels are just going to look a bit like your stainless steel bin or your oven where you are constantly cleaning it and trying to buff out all the marks
0: loads of fingerprints all over exactly
1: it. exactly yeah. well and much worse i would imagine bird crap and everything else so uh it's going to be interesting to see how this does i don't think very well
0: Mr. Musk had quite a day of it yesterday, didn't he? I was, re- and he seems to have overshadowed his own launch by um, appearing at um, another event. Have you seen this one? Oh yes, so I don't he- think it
1: was the same day. This was a few days earlier, I think. Well, but- I
0: don't, I don't. It's only just been reported, so it was either the day before or the same day. Was this but the you- New
1: York Times yes. Uh, stage? Well, thing. Yes. Where he right.
0: basically told all of his advertisers who who'd left them, who'd left his platform, to go f themselves. Well, I he mean, didn't
1: so- basically say it. He literally said that. He literally said it <laughs> He twice. said it three times. Yeah. So, I, I mean, that's not a policy we'll be adopting at Cardi the magazine. If no. any of <laughs> are listening, um, we're very grateful of your support. And if there's any advertisers formerly of Twitter, um, <laughs> slash X, uh, Disney, spend Disney. your money elsewhere. Cardi the <laughs> magazine probably now has a similar reach uh, to X. So uh, give us a call.
0: I mean, yes. yeah, quite, quite a story. But, yeah, I did I, – I was – I was sort of. I didn't. I missed the. Um, I missed the launch, and I'm now going to have to go and catch up on it because I do love it when Elon Musk does something completely mad, uh, and it sounds like he's done that all over again.
1: Mm, I just. It's. It's. i like watching him unravel.
0: To be yeah. honest, he does seem to be having a bit of a breakdown, doesn't he? Um, Phil, what do you think of the um of the Cybertruck? If I'm completely
2: honest with you, um, the Cybertruck to me, when I first saw it launched well the, the, the renderings of it however long ago that was was it four years I think
1: four years four yeah. or
2: five years ago yeah absolutely um I thought it looked like a uh, a child's drawing of a mm. transformer mm. yeah um and in a way I I applauded the kind of the bravery with it because it looks completely different to to anything before or after. But actually, John, I, I agree with you. I, I I think it's. I don't think it looks um, current Quite now. Tight. I don't think it looks current now. I think it already is showing its age
1: mm.
2: on the day it's launched. So, like you say, two, three, five years. I think it's going to look um, really awkward, actually, mm. um, and there'll be, you know, aside from the practicality aspects of it you know is it a commercial vehicle you know no one really knows what it's what it's actually for what's the payload what's the you know all that kind of stuff
1: um unless i've missed it i can't find anything that actually points to that i can tell you on the payload i think Uh, i I did read something it's it's over a over a ton payload and as in in the in the trunk or whatever you would call it in the right And a five-tonne, this might be American tons, five-tonne yeah. towing capacity. So which, you could use it as a commercial, though. You could, absolutely. What the range would be with five tons is a different matter, of course. But, mm. yes, it, it. to be fair to them, yeah, it does seem to stand up as a, okay. vehicle a commercial vehicle. But really, it's not. It's a lifestyle accessory, isn't it? It's, but most trucks in America are lifestyle, really, aren't they? They just go to Target and fill up with groceries and come home again yeah. i don't think they've really used them for indeed but but
2: a lot of ford rangers in the uk are as well so that's
1: very true that's very true
2: yeah so no i'll I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see what happens i be interested to see what the take-ups like because i know a lot of people that that left deposits on them when they were first um, you know how how many of those are actually going to come to fruition i don't know yeah, because uh, I think it was only a couple hundred quid you had to leave as a as a deposit to to secure your bill slot.
1: So to build I can, 100... in fact, I can report for anyone listening who wants a future bin lorry. Um... No thanks,
0: not for me. <laughs> yeah. Not not for me.
1: We'll move on. We'll move <laughs> on. Thanks. <James. laughs>
0: okay, I will move us on, um, and I am going to pick the story that we sort of alluded to, and that is the news that I'm going to be starting my own used car dealership, uh, but with the help. What? Of, uh, <laughs> but with the help of AI. Um, so this is a um, video series that we published the first one of last night. Um, and for those people listening, this is real, it's not a joke. Uh, it is a genuine, <laughs> a genuine idea. Um, and I was sort of explaining that video, my thought process. And that was like, firstly, what better way to write about the motor industry on a daily basis and actually be out there experiencing it and doing it ourselves. Secondly, everybody I ask uh, or speak to uh, wants to know how AI can help in this industry. And I have no idea how it can. And most of the people I speak to have no idea how it can. Um, And the advantage I'm going to have is I have never done it any other way. I've never worked in a car dealership um, and I've never never really sold cars. So I'm going to try and use AI in this business as much as possible. It's amazing Um,
1: that we gave you the job as editor, really, isn't
0: it? It is. Thanks for it's that. A lack yeah. of experience, my, my, much appreciated. Um, but yeah, I'm going to be leaning on many uh, many of my contacts um, to help me with this one. We've already started it. Uh, the first video is live on our on our YouTube channel. Went out last night, uh, and the first stories on our on our website. Um, and to be honest with you, it's been pretty pretty scary, really. How how much ai can help i mean i've asked it to assist me setting up the business it's came it's come up with the with a company name or suggested a company name for me uh, it's told me what the domain name should be it's helped me uh, guide me to what bank account i should set up for the business and eventually i actually want it to help me buy cars and i'm sure uh Phil is going to be disgusted at this, but um, the, the the idea being that um, I would like to feed in lots of data into, we're using ChatGPT um, as our AI assistance. Um, I want to feed, feed in as much data as I can, show it what's on the likes of Motorway or CarWow or in the auctions and and see what it comes out with as, as a suggested purchase. Um I'm not going to follow it to the letter. Um, this is not about replacing car dealers. That's that I need to point that out. But it's about working out, um, in a in a real scenario, what it can and can't help me with. It might be awful at buying cars, but I at least would like to give it a go. It might be terrible at talking to customers, but I'm gonna again give it a go. Um, so this is the new project. It's gonna be starting small. Um uh, but i want to build it up to have um my own site i'd like to start up a, a proper used car dealership and this is the uh, the seed uh, that that hopefully that's going to grow from but that's the new project john i know you've helped me uh with it extensively because uh you were there when we had our first meeting uh with chat gpt uh, which went reasonably well didn't it, <laughs> I, mean, it was, I mean it was our re- first meeting our first meeting yeah
1: yeah, um yeah, what what I've enjoyed about this process is you uh making me sit on Zoom's in the background uh while you tell people what you're doing and then I can watch their reaction. That's quite enjoyable. It's um, It's
0: normally pretty similar, isn't it? Uh um, Yeah,
1: broadly, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's along those lines. I think um I I'm not going to I'm not going to puff this piece up anymore, but I do I do think it's interesting. I mean, I'm I'm more interested broadly in you know this has been your little thing that you've wanted to do for a while ignoring AI you've wanted to set up a dealership for a while haven't you because as you say you've been doing this since 2008 and I think actually being in it is quite a good way to um, find out what's going on and find really understand how difficult it is Um, and ultimately help other people you know if you're it's a bit like if i was to look at umesh you know he's running his dealership he's set up the imda you know what the you know what's going on you know how to fix it in a way don't you so i think that's really good i think ai will prove to be really interesting i um i'm more um uh, cautious of ai perhaps than you are you are yeah. in terms of i don't think it's um I having played around with it a bit before you did i think you it's it's a bit like the, I don't know, seven stages of grief or whatever. You have your, your seventh stage of AI, you set it up, and your first thing is, oh, wow. You ask it to, I don't know, uh, tell you, come up with some dealership names, and it comes up with 10, and you go, wow, it's come up with these in half a second. And then you kind of, if you were to walk away from the screen and come back to it and actually look at those names, you'd realize that most of them are utter garbage. It's just the fact that it spat them out instantly. You think, oh, this is really intelligent. But actually, it's a bit like the the faster I talk, uh, the more intelligent I sound. It's a very similar sort of principle. You know, like you don't actually analyze what it's doing in quite the same way. So I think as time goes on, we'll see what the limits of chat GPT in particular are. But of course, that's not the only thing we are, we, you, are going to use, is it? Because AI is the buzzword and everyone, we've spoken to lots of um suppliers haven't we and a lot are very interested in this because they are gradually tipping dipping their toes in the water of AI a lot already have AI underpinning various systems in the background don't they so even if it highlights what AI can do in general for the for the motor trade I think it'll be very interesting
0: yeah I mean I've I've been using it more and more, as you can imagine, as this project's gone on. And um, and just one of the things, I, I get your points about being amazed by it because it is, and you can see that reaction in the video, our first video. It, I did find it genuinely amazing, um, but it's things like what what one of the things I did last week is, I was writing the story up from the dash Gupta podcast so I had a 52 minute transcription of that podcast um, and normally what I would do is obviously I'd do the podcast I'd chat to him I'd know what the important points were to to uh, put write in a story but I just thought well, I'm going to give chat GPT a bit of a test so I inputted that 52 minute transcription uh, and I said to I said to chat GPT uh, this is a podcast with um, Dash Gupta can you summarize the key points please for me And instantly it came back with the key summary points uh, of what he talked about. Um, So what that said to me, I mean, this was within seconds. I mean, what that's done is it's read the transcript, it's understood the transcript, and it's worked out what the key points were and being able to feed that back. If I'd asked somebody in, in my team to do that, who hadn't listened to that podcast, they would have had to have either read it or listened to the podcast, then thought about it, and then written it down. But what Chat GP did within seconds was very, very clever indeed. Um, and it was at that point I just thought, it's the fact that it's understood the meaning and, and understood the important points and been able to highlight it, that that was the scary bit. Because... You know that is sort of human thinking in a way, isn't it? I mean, how do you explain that one, John?
1: Well, James, this is going to be <laughs> boring uh, for everyone listening, but really it's just a sort of language model, isn't it? I think the chat GPT thing it gives the illusion of intelligence. It's not necessarily intelligence well, we will find I think out that how- will become apparent is all I'm going to say oh, throughout oh, but you know it will be interesting to find out, won't it?
0: yeah.
1: And it would be more interesting for me to see you become a car dealer, particularly on your two-car driveway.
0: Well, yeah, I mean that's not going to last, is it? But uh, <laughs> Phil, what do you think about the whole idea? Am I mad? I've been
2: I've been in the industry long enough to remember, even a pre-internet age. Really, I remember auto trader coming around and taking photos of cars to put in the magazine. Yeah. Um. And things move on, obviously, and they move on so quickly. Um, you know, every every year, every month, every day sometimes, you feel like there's something else that's happening and there's some other kind of uh, metric that's come in. There's, there's always something new. I'll be really interested to see, and I will follow it, uh, your journey, because I think if it works, and you've obviously done your homework, you know, you obviously um, think it will do, then actually, it's a game changer because um, you won't be the only one doing it for very long. Um, right. You know, dealerships could cut down on on staff. They can make themselves more efficient. They can, you know, there's less mistakes potentially because the you know the AI is potentially cleverer than a and, and makes less mistakes than a than a human. There is an old phrase in the motor trade, and I don't want to kind of um, teach anyone to suck eggs, but it's people buy from people. And mm-hmm. I've been interested as to how true that actually is. It's been drummed into a lot of salespeople who are now managers and owners of businesses, um, you know, 10, 15, 20 years on people buy from people. And we've all kind of taken that to heart and we all concentrate on building rapport and, and, and establishing a relationship with these people that, that are ultimately buying our cars It'll be interesting to see actually how important that is. And if it is important, what kind of a job the AI does of establishing that rapport, if any.
0: Yeah. I mean, I because I don't know how much it's going to help me on that front, but it's. I, I'm sort of thinking at the moment when the initial inquiries come in, sometimes you get lots of them, and it would be a case of sorting through the ones that are actually genuine. If it can yeah. qualify those leads in some way, um, yeah. Then, then maybe maybe it can help. I mean, I'm not thinking it's going to replace people completely. I, I still want people to to buy from me. I still want yeah. them to talk to me. Um, but I would like it to. I'd like to work out how it can make that whole process more efficient. But I can't to tell maybe you look out. after the
2: to maybe look after the back office, for example. You yeah. Know, the 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 buying, the advertising, the you know, all that kind of all yeah. that kind of stuff. Um, I, I think that'd be that'd be fabulous if you, if you can find a way of doing that. Um, let me know when you've got it sorted, and uh, <laughs> I'll do it as well. It save loads of time.
0: <laughs> well, we'll be running, hopefully, running weekly updates on this, John, won't we? Depending on whether we can turn the videos around quickly enough,
1: <laughs> well, depending on if anything interesting has actually happened. Yes.
0: Yeah. Also that. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on. We'll be right back. The Cardinal Podcast is sponsored by Saleslink from Jato a market insight tool that's purpose built for franchise car dealers. Get analysis on thousands of new vehicle transactions every month from all the major brands. See model mix and trim data for the brands you sell, as well as competitor data, all in the free web-based platform. It lets you track vehicle option uptake, color preferences, and gives detailed data on pricing and discounts. Sign up for your free SalesLink account today Visit jato.com slash sales link to start unlocking your market insights.
1: Okay. Um, oh, it's me, isn't it? Right. So uh, I'm going to talk about electric cars and their continuing fall from, well, not fall from grace, but fall in prices at least, because we've got some research here from What's Car, which shows that EV discounts have shot up. In the year to the end of October, there's some slightly, uh, you have to try and get your head around the percentage point increases in a discount here, because it's a slightly weird way of showing that a price has gone down. But anyway, electric car discounts have rocketed by an average of 323% in a year. So I suppose that's in effect the discount is three times more than what it was last year, is the idea here. So the in this bit of research, I'm not going to go into all of what it says, but It took into account 77 EV makes and 673 individual editions of those models to reach these figures. The Audi Q4 e-tron, 40 Sport specifically, had the highest discount increase um, versus last year of 1,177% up. So that in effect means the discount is 1,177% higher than it was last year. So it's now a total cash saving of... £5,800 on a list price of 50. So that's over 10% off, isn't it, that car?
0: I don't know, because all those figures have just made my brain hurt.
1: I know, it's it's slightly... But yes, basically, discounts are increasing on electric cars. They're also increasing on petrol cars, but not quite at the same rate. So I have a figure for petrol cars here somewhere, but it's nowhere near the... uh, figure that ev ones are increasing but yes the q4 etron the megan e-tech ev60 these are all like four to five grand savings off list prices of around 40 grand so it's it's getting a bit discounty in the ev market by the looks of it Particularly on certain models, James. I'm sure you have some things to say about this. Well,
0: I, my my only point on this would be the fact that it was it needed to happen. The prices of the electric vehicles did need to come down, and these manufacturers have got some very strict targets to hit when it comes to the ZEV mandate. So, I can see why it's happening um, because they need to hit those targets, and I think next year we're just going to see a lot more of it.
1: It's interesting that it's happening in this way as well because this is we talked last week about or the week before about an influx of EVs, well, and general cars in general, being pushed to fleets to try and get rid of them. That was where disposal disposal of new cars was really happening. Um, but it seems to be appearing in sort of regular consumer purchases now as well, doesn't it, judging by these figures?
0: Yeah. Well, well at the same time, John, consumers are sort of falling out of love a little bit with, with electric mm-hmm. vehicles. I mean, they they don't want them quite as much as they wanted before, as we've heard from many people. Um, so they need to, manufacturers need to push them and and the only way to incentivize that is with deals mm. so Phil, do you stock many um electric vehicles and what what's your take on it?
2: I haven't got a single electric vehicle in stock at the moment completely deliberately oh. um the the reason being that I actually quite like an electric car and um I'll answer your question in a second, but in a in, I'm in the process of buying one at the moment through the business. Because purely as a as a hundred percent write down and all that kind of thing, I need to have one really to to bring down my corporation tax. It's all really boring, but the accountant <laughs> says I have to have
0: sensible, one. Sensible,
2: sensible. So uh, I'm I'm in the process actually of of um Is it a cyber truck? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not a good looking enough man to carry off uh driving a transformer, unfortunately, John. <laughs> um so I, I'm actually in the market for one at the moment, and the percentage discounts that you're talking about, there's actually if if you really really go at it, the, the discounts off list are absolutely phenomenal at the moment. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at the Audi E-Tron um, Coupe, the, the the big one, uh, Porsche yeah. Taycan,
1: yeah,
2: uh, BMW iX. They're the three really. Um, the the levels of discount, I'm not going to go into specific numbers, but uh, I've never known, having bought Porsches for quite a long time, I've never known them get anywhere near where they're at at the moment. Mm. Uh, it's its almost desperation stakes. Yeah. But, well, the, but um... the, interesting, the interesting thing is that usually in the past, um, if a manufacturer was struggling to sell anything, they'd offer uh, manufacturer support, you know the dealer would give his uh, his or her um, margin out of it, uh, and then sell it purely on price and on a subsidised finance package is what they do. Now, at the moment, there is no, as I understand it, certainly with Porsche, there is no external support, i.e., from the manufacturer. It's all margin, and there's no subsidised finance support. So, if you wanted to finance a take, on today it's eleven point three APR, which I appreciate is completely in line with the base rate, I mm. get why it is. But you'd think to try to attract customers into a, into a market that that's um, not as slow, stopped, really, you'd think that that would be a better way of, of attracting your average customer. You know, a 5.9 APR, it might cost them two or three grand per unit to do it, but 5.9, when everyone else is at 10.9, 11.9, all of a sudden makes it look more
0: attractive. And the residuals are shot, aren't they as well? A hundred
2: percent. All that all they're doing is, is diluting their own market. It, it, you know, um, it, it's it's frightening actually. Um, and I genuinely wouldn't be having one if there wasn't the tax break.
0: And I think well, that's that's where the market is at the moment. Is people like yeah, yourself, isn't it? Absolutely. The so to,
2: to go back to your original question, how many have I stocked? I don't have any at the moment. Mm. Um, they frightened, they frightened the living daylights out of me. They, they, you know, Model Three performances. You know, a couple of years old, six months ago, they were still mid thirties, <laughs> something like that. There's a lot of car for yeah. the money, isn't it? Well, the they, the mid to late twenties now for a nice one. And you're thinking, I wouldn't want half a dozen of those cars in my stock to blow eight or ten grand a unit, you know, two or three grand a month some of these cars are dropping. Mm. And and hopefully they'll come back because I think, you know, like it or not, um, depending on government legislation, all that kind of thing, you know, which way that actually goes, it is going to be the future, I, I think. I think that... The, you know internal combustion eventually will be a thing of the past and this is what we're going to be stuck with whether you like it or not and i don't but something's got to change
0: yeah because
1: it's hard with with tesla as an example though isn't it because they keep chopping away at the prices and i know it's of the new model threes and so on i know it's not just tesla you know you see whether it's to keep up with tesla or not you see other manufacturers lopping um, amounts off their list price, don't you? The Ford Mustang mach yeah, the five grand, eight grand price drop. Yeah, quite recently. Yeah. I mean, that's a painful one if you just bought one. Chuggy ride pace is another. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, well, I suppose that's a, an older model, so it's not quite so bad in a way. But yeah. Yeah, to to buy, I think Tesla almost knocked the confidence out of anyone stocking used Teslas, haven't they? Because tomorrow they could turn around and knock another grand off it or another two grand. Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely.
2: Again, uh, and and obviously also, also with with Tesla not really selling used vehicles as well. They, mm. they, ultimately, how bothered are they going to be about the about the residual value of their products? They've sold their car, haven't they? You know, they've, they've taken the margin out of it when it was new. Yeah, um, I don't know. You know, you guys know a lot more about that than than I do. But but for me, it's probably a little bit short sighted. But I suppose if If that's their business model and they're concentrated solely on selling new units, then they're they're not really that bothered about the likes of me or going forward James having to sell the used ones.
0: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I certainly won't be stocking any electric vehicles. No, I don't don't blame you at all. It's so volatile, and there's a lot of other people that I speak to out there. Who who are having who are saying the same thing? But then I think back to our used car awards and EV experts um who 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 won our um, EV dealer of the year. When I popped to see them a couple of weeks ago, they said they're having a whale of a time at the moment because nobody else is buying them, so they're getting them really cheap and they're and and they're doing well off the back of it. So they didn't really want to give away the secret if I wanted. <laughs> I
2: think the secret probably is is no more uh, complicated than than the fact that everyone else is scared of them and yeah. it's, it's their it's their business and that's what they do so if no one else is buying it then then there's no competition so that the people the few people that are
0: in the market
2: are going to buy from there
0: yeah right i'll move us on from electric vehicles john okay um, i don't know how we, we always
1: end up here every week let me be, I
0: know, anyways. well, funny, it's sort of a bit of a hot topic, isn't it? Um, but let me take us to uh, a slightly different topic, and that is uh, the news that Cinch, um, the um, the used car sales business we all know and love, has increased its stake in the listed car dealer group Virtue Motors once again. Uh, so this has been branded by uh, people that I spoke to as another disruptive move. So, uh, Cinch, owned uh, by Constellation and Automotive Group, who own BCA and We Buy Any Car, have increased their stake from 4% to 6% this week. Uh, That's the third time this year that they've bought more of Virtue Stock. Uh, it's actually the second notification of a major holding that they have to issue to the stock market that they've had to issue this month, because um, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, haven't we? Um, yeah. So what on earth is going on here? Um, I asked many uh, experts in the uh, in the city, um, and Few people said that they think it's purely just um, them trying to get another uh, bang for their buck, as it were. They did quite well out of lookers. They uh, were able to sort of dictate where that sale went uh, and the price, uh, thanks to their 20 percent holding in in lookers. Um, They've had that money back in the bank account and decided to invest it again, it seems. Virtue, as we have all alluded to is is the next uh fruit to be plucked from the tree as it were uh, when it comes to li- listed stock uh li- listed stock uh, market businesses um and s- some people just think it's it's a way of increasing increasing that 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 money however there are others out there who have alluded to the fact that this might be the start of a of a full takeover We've talked about these supergroups in the past, haven't we? And putting Virtue and Marshalls together has long been talked about, especially when when Dash was there and and Robert Forrester obviously running Virtue. Two two great businesses that actually, if you look at them, could be aligned. So there's some people think that that might be might be what happens next. If I was a betting man, I would say this is purely Cinch trying to the cat amongst the pigeons as it were uh and just sort of just say look we're still here we're still going to cause a few few issues we're still going to get people talking about us don't forget us, we've got our lookers' money and we're going to now put it somewhere else um but interesting because as soon as these sorts of things happen everybody uh starts the rumor mill and i you know me, John. Do I you love, mean? Do you mean I you love the about bill. the
1: rumor bill? Yeah.
0: Well, not me, but you know people who who like to like to whisper uh, rumors into my ear. Well.
1: Mm, yes. Uh, yeah. I I fall into the the former camp. I would say as to I I think we've said this before. I I obviously I'm an expert on these things. Uh, but I I don't think this is this is a move towards some super group or something. I think this is just. They've got money to play with. And as you say, the lookers' investment worked very well for them. So why not do it again? And they they can see which way the wind is blowing and Virtue won't be around in its current form forever without being snapped up by somebody. So why not jump in and, yeah, get a piece of that pie before it's sold off?
0: Yeah. That's where I am on it. And as you said before, they're a private equity. They're owned by a private equity house, and that's what they
1: like to do. Well, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what else would they spend it on? They don't, you know, sort of their whole MO, isn't it?
0: And I can't see them wanting to take on another dealership group after Marshall's because, I mean, I <laughs> don't think the Marshall uh, purchase has gone down particularly well. It's not been the smoothest of rides, has it?
1: No. I mean, shall I, shall I lead into our next story?
0: Yeah, what, why not?
1: Uh, so a leaked memo has revealed that two more, in capitals, senior directors have now quit Marshall Motor Group. So this is Jamie Crosa and John Head have both resigned um, from their senior positions of both group operations directors. Um, I mean, I, I've started talking about this story, but James, you know more about it than me.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, these two have been with the business. Um, what um, Jamie's been there a decade. Uh, John uh, had been there uh, nearly 17 years. Um, their departure was, was communicated with the company by their new boss, Martin Kasher, who's come across from pen dragon to take the CEO role, uh, there at Marshalls, Um, and that was leaked to us by quite a few people, actually, funnily enough. Um, and, and the reason being is, is Jamie and John were hugely well regarded in that business. Um, two very, very good operators, um, that have worked, at, worked in that business for a long time. And there's a lot of people who are very sad to see them go. Um, But it just comes on the back of a number of other exits, doesn't it? This We've Mm -hmm. had most of the senior uh, management team leaving, obviously, um, Dash left in in May last year, CFO Richard Bloomberger left in December, Group Council Stephen Jones in March, then the HR director Joanne Moxon left uh, in June, and then you add these two, and it's a it's going to be a very very different team there, isn't it? Mm. Um, it begs and, the
1: question: How much is it still Marshall? How much of Marshall well, is those people and that culture?
0: I think it's it's a very very different business now. I would say, um, I don't know. Have you have you been following these comings and goings, Phil, with 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 Marshalls and and this this investment from from Cinch into Virtue? I mean, what's your take on the whole picture?
2: My t- it's not really my area of expertise, but my kind of takeaway uh, on it is the the cinch investment into virtue. Uh, I I don't see any conspiracy theory or anything like that. I think, like you say, it's private equity money, and they're doing what private equity people do. They they're investing, and like you say, they did they did okay last time they. They went into was it lookers? that They went into mm. uh, last time. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a similar a similar exercise. Um, virtue won't be virtue forever, like you say, and I think that probably it's just um, we're only talking about it because it's um, it's car business into car business. It's it's just it's like any other uh, private equity investment in my in my head. Um, mm. Marshall, um, I've had. Uh, comings and goings and dealings with Marshall over the years, um, not at a particularly high level, but buying and selling vehicles into them. Always found them to be to be great to deal with, good culture, uh, good people, uh, the people that I, I dealt with. Um, culture usually comes from the top. And if, like we say, those, uh, that long list of people have, have left the business in the last, what, 12, 18 months, something like that, you start to wonder whether that culture is being eroded somewhat if it's not being guided by the people at the top, which is where it comes from, mm. is, is what I'd say. So to answer your question, is is Marshall still Marshall? Well, it is in name, but is it is it the same business? I, I would hazard a guess that it probably isn't.
0: Mm, interesting. Um, right, John, I've got one more. Excuse me, I think
1: you find it's my story.
0: Is it really? No, <laughs> is, uh, no it's not. That was definitely oh. your one.
1: Oh, that's not okay. It was go definitely
0: on. your one. Um, you tagged it onto the end of mine. How dare you? Um, no, I'm going to go with the news uh, that we published on Monday. And this was the, the used car price correction uh, continues with trade values falling 4.2% again in November. Um so we did a video update with Cap HPI's Mark Ballmer uh, that we published on the website at the weekends had something like 12, 13,000 views this week. So a lot of people very interested in what's going on. Um, Mark explained to us that the November drop had followed the same 4.2% fall and we're talking in the trade these trade values these are um but it means in the last two months <clears throat> excuse me um trade values have fallen 8.4% uh, which is an average of 1625 pounds and it means since April uh, prices have fallen about 18 percent so quite some drastic drops there we pressed uh, mark on what he thinks is gonna happen next um he thinks December is gonna be um just as bad pretty much he thinks um there've been some number there's always some falls in December he said but he thinks this December could be could be particularly bad um and then in January Normally, these dealers start to um, start to stock up again, um, and it will be interesting. To, he says to see what to see what happens there. Um, but there was just one other point in this that, I mean, after posting this story, we got a bit of abuse uh, online for it, uh, and um, I know Cap HPI has had quite a lot of abuse for for publishing this sort of news. But I do want to sort of stick up for them and stick up for ourselves they they're purely publishing fact they they're reporting on what's happening in the in the in the market they're seeing what these prices are um from a large number of industry sources from large and small physical and online auctions fleet and leasing companies finance houses rental companies and manufacturer used car programs it's they they said that they move their prices based on fact not opinion yes they do have editors they look at them to check that these things are happening but i mean i spoke to spoke to darren Martin at the used car awards and he actually said that if they didn't have the editors and didn't check these price drops could have been even bigger so mm-hmm. um you know I'd like to stick up for cap hpi on that fact that you know that they are purely reflecting on what's happening in the market and we're purely reflecting what cap hpi are reporting and I think it's important to get this sort of information out there as they say you know fore- forewarned is forearmed and have this sort of information and data as a used car dealer is He's good. You know, you need to know what you need to know what's happening out there. So, yes.
1: Someone did did accuse us of of writing clickbait, didn't they? Yes. Um, But what I would say, yeah, is we've we've been reporting on these these figures monthly for three years, I want to say. You know, nothing's changed. We report them from CAP. We report them from other sources as well. And we've been charting
0: the rises as well as the falls. That's right. That's right. You know, you've got to, you've got to have the ups and the downs unfortunately that is that is the market. so we can't hide what's going on and that's why it's important to to report on what people like capHBI are, are saying. Phil what, what what's your take on it?
2: My, my take straight away is that no one the cap values are the cap values and we all know how the cap values are a sort. We, we know that it's based on auction prices and all this kind of stuff but but no one makes you take cap as gospel when you're buying a car you know yeah. certainly in the uh in the more prestige end cap can be massively irrelevant you know ultimately you've got to, sometimes in my head you've just got to be a little bit more kind of have a bit more craft about you really when you're looking at how much a vehicle's worth and actually see you know how much can i sell it for with the panoramic sunroof, the 22-inch wheels, the deployable sidesteps, whatever else that car's got, versus one without any of those bits. Because CAP won't differentiate between those those two vehicles. Now, if that means that I'm paying £2,000 more than CAP says I should do, but I've still got a really healthy margin, then guess what? I'm going to pay the £2,000 and I'm going to own the car you know, again, I've been in the job long enough to remember carrying a glasses guide around with me and say, you know, a mileage correction and all this kind of stuff. And even sometimes certain spec things were in there as as an adjustment. So you could see what glasses guide said at that point. Now, glasses guide is exactly what it is. Sorry, glasses guide. Cap guide is a guide. And I understand why people use it. And I understand it feeds all sorts of other metrics right across the industry. I get it. But people get so um, obsessed with it almost, you know. I grabbed into Cat into for that. You know, you see it all the time. Well, who cares? If you've still got a margin after it, who's to say that Cat's right? You're the dealer. You're the professional. You're the person that's valuing it. Why can't it be you that's right? Yeah. And a lot of the time, you know, I will pay behind cap for something or bang on cap for something if that's what it what it's worth. But if it's worth more than cap, then I'm not going to not buy it because a figure on a computer screen or on a piece of paper tells me I'm paying too much for it. Mm. I like to think that I've been around the block enough times to know that that's what I can sell it for. That's what it's going to cost me. This is what it's going to cost me to prepare it, which leaves me this. Yeah. And if this is enough to warrant me buying that car over cap, then guess what? I'm going to buy it.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Oh, thank you for your take on that. Very, very
1: Wise words there for anyone thinking of starting their own car dealership using uh, computer-based assistance. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I was uh, taking notes, John. Thank you. <laughs> it's not well, to that, sound right. That's just my take. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I'm <laughs> out of stories, though, I'm afraid. Well,
1: um... I'm I'm going to squeeze one more in, uh, which I was hoping to bundle in with the rest of the Marshall things. But this is the... News that just published by James just before we started this podcast. Why he hasn't spoken about it, I don't know. But Dash Gupta has accepted a role outside of the car industry yeah. as he joins a building merchant, of all things, as CEO. So this came as a bit of a surprise, I think, didn't it? So he's been appointed CEO designate of Hughes Gray, which is a 30-year-old um builders merchant effectively one of the biggest in the uk or the largest in the uk It employs five thousand people 1.5 billion pound turnover 60 million profit before tax these are figures before dash gets involved of course i'm sure they'll triple over the next however long as yep. he performs to do a marshals on them uh but yeah i mean i'm sure you were saddened by this in a way james because you you won't be able to phone up dash and say
0: what's going on Tell me what's oh, going on in the industry. He'll still know. He'll still know what's going on. But yeah, no, I was. I spoke to him this morning for this story. Um, and thanks for picking it, but I'd run out of uh, options. So I'm glad you've wedged it in there. Um, but yeah, very, uh, I, am, I am sad to see him um, sort of leave the industry on a day-to-day basis. But he will still be doing his work with Ford. He mm. is still going to be involved with the IMI. Um, and I know that the motor trade is absolutely in Dash's blood. Uh, mm. And he won't be able to help himself but keep an eye on what's going on out there uh but you know he was telling me that this is a this is a high growth business um it's got uh more more than 300 locations across the uk um it's um it's got something like five thousand employees um and he just said that the opportunity was 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 too good to miss. There was a lot, of, lot lot of similarities between that that business and and the Marshall business. Um, but I think that the other fact is there just simply wasn't the job for him out there at mm. the moment. He talks about it on that car dealer inspiring leaders podcast that we published a couple of couple of weeks back, um, that he would would have loved a job in the motor industry, but all of the ones that he thought he could do are filled with with very very good people who are not going anywhere anytime soon so mm. i'm sure until that changes um dash will be wedged to the building merchant industry uh, and doing an incredible job there i'm sure but yeah very sad to see him see him go from a day-to-day business
1: i imagine you're even more sad that he didn't move there before you finished your extension
0: Oh you know. yeah, I didn't even thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> that would be really useful. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I could get retrospective discount on the. Window. Oh god.
1: <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I think I'll end us there, uh, Phil. Before we ask your verdict, are there any stories you think we've missed this week?
2: No, but the the main one for me, I think you've you've covered was the. The whole cap thing, and 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 I've been waiting to talk about cap and and valuations and that kind of thing because I think people get so um, so embroiled in it, oh especially at this time of year, it is every time. Ta- I thought this might come up. The mm-hmm. the uh, not so much the the annual um, the annual drop, but the November December. It's the same every single year every single year and every single year everyone i speak to is down in the dumps and uh you know the 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 jobs um the the job's not working for me anymore i don't know how much longer i could go on like this where does it end it's a race to the bottom we're catching a falling sword all those lovely you know (laughs) cliches and it's every single year and what happens is as you said before, you alluded to it, in January, no one will be able to buy any stock, the prices will rocket, and then everyone's complaining that they haven't got enough stock to satisfy demand. And it happens every year. So um if I was to pick a story at the beginning of December, it would have been basically exactly that. It was that the um, that the drop happens happens every single year without fail and it all come back. And really, again, probably more for more for James having just set up his business. But if you've got the funds to buy cars at December prices to sell in January, buy them at December prices and sell them in January, because you won't be able to buy cars in January
0: for December prices. I can
1: see him writing that down.
0: <laughs> more wise words, thank you. <laughs> we'll put this down to work experience. <laughs> <I like it. laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, I, w- I
1: was going to ask for your verdicts, but that is your verdict, really. It's James's story for Cap HPI, isn't it? I'm sorry.
0: I'm, I'm sorry. Don't apologise. I'll take it the- away. <laughs> thank you.
1: <laughs> it was a good week I had at the top, but never mind. Well, regardless of that, uh, it's been lovely to have you on, Phil. Um, and thank you for helping us judge today. And lovely to meet you. Do hope you'll come back on again. And all the best with the business.
2: It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much for the invite. I look forward to speaking to you both soon
1: our pleasure thank you as well to james for competing and playing around with chat gpt in the background and thank you for listening we'll be back next week with another episode so make sure you're subscribed so you can be notified when that goes live if you're listening on spotify you can swipe up now and vote on who you think won for some reason uh if you want to check out the stories we mentioned today you can click the links in the show notes below or head to cardinalmagazine.co.uk where you'll find those and much more news besides and don't forget to head to youtube uh, every Thursday to check or Thursday night to check what ridiculous antics James has got up to uh, with his AI car dealership.
0: Thanks Thank you, again. <laughs>
1: and until next time, goodbye.